to the next episode of Dr. H. I am your host, Dr. H. And on this episode, I want to dive into questions to ask your doctor before discharge. And I guess I should have titled this your provider because there are several providers out there. There are physicians, there's nurse practitioners, doctorate prepared nurse practitioners. What do you want to ask them before you leave? As far as another, maybe a higher level of care, for example, a hospital or a nursing home, when you have stayed for a visit to get treatment for whatever the diagnosis is, what is something you want to ask them so you have clarification before you go home and go back to what I always tell my patients is considered regular living and a great quality of life. So the reason I wanted to talk about this in an episode is I get so many questions from family, friends, patients about what do I need to ask? You know, I feel like I'm going to forget everything. I feel like once I get home, I'm going to forget everything that was taught to me. What do I need to ask? So one of the things I want you to hone in on, if you know you're going to be one of those people that forget something as soon as they say it to you, do like i do typically i usually have my iphone out or for those android users out there um you can have your android out um i use the notes app on the iphone if it's something that i feel like i'm going to forget i immediately take my phone out and i go to the notes section and i start making a note If there are questions that I want to ask somebody ahead of time, I'll grab my notes section, jot the questions down really quickly. So that way, as soon as I get with them, I can immediately pull it up and I know exactly where my thoughts were at that time. And as that person is answering the questions, jot it down really quickly. So that way you kind of know once you are back at home or somewhere else and you have questions about whatever it was previously you can go back and look at the responses so let's talk about it let's dive into it what should you ask i'm gonna give just some top three uh questions that i tend to for example i will kind of go into a brief story time here My husband and I were both in the hospital for COVID. I actually took myself to the ER for COVID and convinced them not to admit me. For those that know me, you know I am a difficult patient. If I can take care of myself, yeah, you will not be getting that hospital bill off of me. Uh, So I did not get admitted. However, my husband was so sick at the time. Unfortunately, he did get admitted and he did stay during that time. I'll dive into that with a totally different episode when it comes to advocating for yourself and your family member because I feel like that is an amazing topic that so many people need to hear. So during that time, like I said, we both were in the hospital and these were some of the questions that I asked because during that time with covid Uh, Because I was still positive, I was unable to stay with him during that time. So I did video chats with the physician while my husband was in the hospital with COVID. So I, you know, was asking, you know, questions 
prior to his discharge to see what I needed to do as a caretaker for him to get him back to where he needed to be. Now, unfortunately, I've actually stayed with my husband a few times when he's been admitted to the hospital. So unfortunately, I am not, this is not, you know, unfamiliar territory to me. I know what to ask. Being a provider, it's an absolute blessing to know what to ask, but you have family members out there that don't have any nursing background. You know, you don't have any type of medical background or education in that particular field. So I do feel like it's important that when your loved one stays in the hospital, you do have some understanding of, hey, what did they get admitted with? What kind of illness is that? Hey, what should I expect going home? What should I look for that if it worsens, I need to bring them back? Those are definitely things that you need to ask the doctor. You know, what did they get diagnosed with? Is it contagious? Is it something that I should take additional precautions with in my home as they discharge going home? Other additional questions that you would want to ask is follow up with specialists to avoid coming back slash readmission. Let's talk about that. If they were diagnosed with something related to their heart, do they need to see a heart doctor that's called a cardiologist? Would they need to see them? If so, how soon would they need to make an appointment? Okay, I want you to pause if you are listening to this on the go and listen to what I'm saying with this. This is a super special nugget. If they say they need to see a specialist like a heart doctor or a cardiologist, pay attention to how the time frame in which they want them to see them. So if they say, we want you to see a heart doctor within two weeks, here's the thing. Listen to this. Ask them, do you mind making that appointment for me before we leave? Let me tell you why this is super important. If they make the appointment prior to you leaving, as the person that is taking care of them going home, you won't have to go back and debate or argue or what have you with the office people of that particular clinic. I've worked a clinic before and I'll tell you, the office staff will literally dodge patients if we are beyond busy and can't fit anybody else in. Guys, I am a nurse practitioner, but I'm a mom and a wife too. I want to go home and sleep. I want to spend time with my kids and my husband. I'm not going to see patients until it's nightfall. So if my schedule is full, they will dodge patients. Clinics will not tell you this. That's the customer aspect, the customer service aspect of it. They're not going to tell you that, hey, they're booked or, hey, they can't take any more patients. Some of them will. But the really good ones, they're not going to tell you that. They're going to give you, oh, well, let's do four weeks out from now. Oh, let's do two months out from now. Why? Because the providers are booked. So that is exactly why I make the comment, allow that hospital or nursing home to make the appointment before you leave. A lot of times, if it is another facility or clinic calling to make the appointment or the hospital making the appointment for you, you cut the line. You're not having to call as a regular Joe Schmo. No shade to those that are named Joe. 
and wait and them give you, as I call it, the scraps. The scraps are what is left of their appointment schedule. As in, they've got everything filled, but you can take this appointment whenever it is. Nobody wants the scrap appointment. Have them make the appointment for you before they leave. If you leave, um, as far as discharge, if possible. Now, with it being a weekend, you know, most clinics, specialty clinics, unless, you know, they are powering through, most have regular Monday through Friday business hours and closed. So it'd be unfortunate that they couldn't make the appointment. But if you're discharging during a time that you know that specialist may be open, ask them to make the appointment for you. It, it can make a difference. Let me give you a quick example of how this works. I literally had a patient discharge, I'll say maybe about two to three weeks ago, and she was seeing pain management before she came into the nursing home and did her rehabilitation. She wanted a pain management appointment because she had not uh, been to the office in about two months because she had been in the rehab between the hospital and the rehab. She wanted us to make sure she had an appointment before she left. And I absolutely love this. She's actually herself, she was a retired nurse. So, you know, she wasn't just a layman person. Like she actually had some educational background when it comes to healthcare. And I absolutely love this. I actually made her appointment myself to pain management. And when I called and I started off the conversation, hey, this is Ashley Harvey, family nurse practitioner. And I gave my spiel of the patient needing an appointment, this, that, and the other. Guys, I literally got her an appointment the next week at 8 a.m. Like, how cool is that? She was first in line. The receptionist immediately said anything besides that appointment will have to be about two months out, maybe more than that. But because I led the conversation and said, hey, good morning. This is Ashley Harvey, family nurse practitioner, blah, blah, blah. She jumped to the head of the line simply because myself as the provider calling as the discharging provider wanting to get her an appointment, she jumped the line. She didn't have to wait and get a scrap appointment. Nobody wants a scrap appointment. So if they don't give you a particular specialist that you need to see after discharge, here's the next question. Do they recommend anybody specifically? And if so, can the appointment be made prior to discharge? This goes along with you seeing a specialist. If you know that person has been admitted a couple of times for renal failure or kidney failure, do they need to see a, a, a nephrologist? That's a kidney doctor. And if the doctor says, yes, can you make that appointment for me? My first appointment, if you don't mind, I'll wait. That should be your next line. I can wait because a lot of times if they see that you're not in a super duper hurry to get on out of there, they'll go ahead and make the appointment for you. Allow these clinics, these hospitals to do the introductions for you. That's less work on you. I understand 
each and every person, once you've had a loved one that stayed in a hospital or nursing home, you are ready to get the heck up out of there. I totally get it. However, give it a little bit of grace. Give it a little bit of time because you would be surprised if you take the time and wait for them to make that appointment Chances are you will jump to the head of the line. You will have a one to two week um, after discharge appointment. If the clinic or the specialist is super, super busy, because you have to admit there are some world renowned providers out there. And no matter what time of the year you book them, they're always busy. This may not always happen please allow some grace. But if you know that your loved one has been admitted for this several times, or you know it's their cycle that they're getting admitted every once a month or every six weeks to two months, they need a specialist appointment. Doctors and nurse practitioners, if they're trying to hurry you up to get on to the next person, they're not going to tell you that, but I'm telling you now, they need that specialist appointment. And it's okay to pause and say, it's okay, I'll wait. If they need, you can go ahead and make that appointment for me. It, I really would not mind. I can wait. That extra pause in between, just like I did right there, could make the difference between them being admitted every six weeks and them staying out of the hospital for six months or a year or two years or more. You'd be amazed. The right providers following them, giving the right TLC, and... The patient themselves adhering to what they're saying helps keep patients out the hospital. It helps reduce your hospital bills, your pharmacy bills, all of that. And the stress of having to be away from your home and be somewhere else that's not your home. Definitely ask that. Next, do you feel like they're ready to discharge? A lot of providers, if you ask that question, it'll take them off guard because sometimes it's been asked to me as a nurse practitioner and it'll take me off guard. And I have to admit, when people ask me that, I'm impressed because that lets me know you're not just in a hurry to herd them out of here and get them home and and go on back to your regular life. You're genuinely, you want to know what my professional opinion is about discharging your loved one back home. And typically, you know, if you think about it, there's literally two bold answers. Yes, they are. No, they're not. If their answer is yes, they are, pay attention to the provider's body language. I have noticed, being a fellow provider myself, if they're looking you directly in the eyes, nine times out of ten, they're being honest. If the provider looks down or away, unless they have, because some providers do have issues as far as speaking to people directly and and people issue as far as like dealing with people one-on-one. If they look away or they look down and they just seem like they're in a hurry, listen to this. They're lying. I'm telling you now, they're lying. They're just trying to get your loved one out of the hospital and move on to the next person. They are lying. Dig deeper into that. Do not allow them to discharge your loved one because I'd be willing to bet my entire salary they're lying. They're just trying to get you out and move on to the next one. If you feel like they're lying, 
here here is a path you would definitely want to take. If they're trying to herd you out and get you to sign paperwork, insist on possibly if it's a nurse practitioner, maybe the doctor coming in to see you really quick. If you know, if they don't mind, you have some additional questions you feel like they could, you know, could answer questions you would want to ask if you thought they were lying. Could you see their lab work? Now, if you're a layman person and, you know, you don't have anything, you know, any medical background, I'm telling you now, here's something I want you to remember. If you have a nurse in the family, a nurse practitioner, someone with medical background that that understands lab work interpretation, and you have a loved one that keeps being readmitted to the hospital, you might want to invite them for this particular visit if you could. You want to see the person that's discharged. Ask the doctor if they come in, did you do any lab work before we're getting ready to discharge? You know, ask them what you just asked that other provider. Do you feel like they're ready to discharge? Did you do any lab work today or yesterday before you made your decision to discharge? If their answer is yes to the lab work, ask if if they could pull it up, if you could see it. Or if that person that has a little bit more nursing or medical background then you can see it with the patient's permission, of course. If they have nothing to hide, they'll pull it up. The patient can give permission as far as, you know, HIPAA is concerned, and they pull it up for you. They have nothing to hide, and you can take a look at it, and if something's abnormal, by all means, ask the questions. You want to ask now because once you sign that paperwork, I'm telling you, that's it. They're going to show you the door. Have a great day. They're on to the next patient. Ask the questions. If they haven't done any lab work, here's your next question. Why not? How do you know they're ready to discharge? Now, some doctors and nurse practitioners are going to get ticked off because you're wasting their time. This is what goes in their head. You're you're wasting their time. I have so many other people to see. And I have this person in here who probably doesn't even have any background in medical or nursing asking a thousand and one questions. But I'm telling you for patient rights purposes, You have a right to know whether you are safe to go home or not before you go home. Because once you walk out of that door, let me give you an example. You get home, you discharge, and patient starts to get sick again. Well, if you call back to the hospital, they're not going to know who you are from the man or the woman in the moon. They're not going to know who you are. They're just going to tell you um, if it doesn't get any better to come back. And there you are again, waiting hours on end at the emergency room for probably the same issue you literally just got admitted with. Nobody wants to do that. Ask the questions before you leave. So that way you're not at home going, oh my goodness, I should have asked X, Y, and Z. Now we're at home trying to figure it out. I don't know what to do. I think we're going to have to go back to the hospital. I think we're going to have to go back to the clinic. Make sure you're comfortable walking out of the hospital doors or the nursing home doors or whatever level of care the patient is discharging from before you leave and before any paperwork is signed. 
Next, let's talk about the next thing you need to ask. When do we need to go to a higher level of care? This can be the emergency room, the hospital. So if you got discharged with heart concerns, what do I do? Or here's the question I guess you should say, when do we need to come back if something worsens or stuff like that? So if they say if the patient runs a fever or if they seem to be confused and they're not normally confused or they have behavior changes or there's blood coming out of somewhere or discharge coming out of somewhere, make sure they tell you things to look for. You want to start looking for those things. Listen to me. You want to listen and look for those things the moment they work, they walk out of that higher level of care. The clock starts. Most patients return to an ER or a hospital, especially if they have a problem with managing their diabetes, managing their blood pressure or their heart failure or their kidney failure. A lot of them will return within the first month of being discharged from a nursing home or hospital. And I absolutely think that is absolutely insane that they will return that quickly when it comes to a different higher level of care. That's mind blowing to me. So you want to start watching them immediately. Once you get a list of what they think will worsen, and a lot of times hospitals especially and uh, nursing homes will do it as well. They'll give you in the discharge paperwork, return if, and you see this long list of things, but ask them while you have them in the room, hey, what do I need to be looking for in case we need to come back? Something simple like that. And I immediately will tell people, hey, you need to look for X, Y, and Z. Jot those things down. You want to start looking, making sure Hey, the patient is taking their medicine like the doctor or provider told them to. Hey, they're eating and drinking like they're supposed to. They're getting activity like it's recommended. They're seeing any providers that they need to see on follow-up like they're supposed to. These are the things you want to make sure that is happening and if these things aren't happening you need to start looking at that list of what do we need to do when it comes to a higher level of care start looking at that particular list so that way you're aware of if these things happen hey i need to be convincing you let's go back to the hospital well let's go back to the er family members that have someone that is cognitively impaired as in they're not in their right mind they have dementia or they have some other type of chronic disease that impairs their mind or their perception of things that go on listen to me very carefully if your loved ones are cognitively impaired listen if they get to a point to where they're beyond confused and the symptoms that the provider listed off start happening and they say, I'm not going to the hospital. You can't make me go to the hospital. You know, just like I do. We all have that loved one 
they can have literally a leg that is hanging off of their body and they'll still holler, I'm not going to the hospital. If they are to the point to where they're beyond cognitive impairment, besides their normal cognitive impairment, you can call an ambulance and have the EMS system take them to the hospital. They won't even have a vote in that. Why? Because they are not themselves. And if you happen to be their next of kin, you can tell EMS, hey, I need them taken to the hospital. This is not right. I'm not going to let them die in here. Advocate for your loved ones. EMS will give you this garbage at times and I apologize for all EMS drivers, and I'm saying this too, but I've seen it happen. They will give you this garbage of, well, we can't force anybody to get in here. And that's right. They can't force anybody to get in there. However, if they're cognitively impaired, they don't really, I hate to say they don't have a vote, but they're not in their right mind to have a vote to go to the hospital. They need to go to a higher level of care explain it to EMS in that particular way so you don't get a bad version of we can't put them in there we, we just can't force them to do that no you can't force them but if they're not in their right mind they don't they you know the next person that is over them related to them their power of attorney that person needs to advocate and say, hey, they're not in their right mind. And it's to the point, I, I need you to take them to the hospital because I need a doctor or a nurse practitioner to look at them and fix whatever this is that's going on. We need to fix it yesterday. Don't be afraid to advocate for your loved one. Don't be that loved one that'll sit here and say, well, I wish I could have done that as they're lowering them into the casket, into the ground. Don't be that loved one. When you lay your head down at night, you want to be one of those people that say, I've done everything that I can for my loved one, and I'm happy, I'm happy with the results because I have advocated for them. Be that type of loved one for your loved one. Next, Make sure in the discharge paperwork, there is a list of their medications, a list of their follow-up appointments, and DME. Let's go through this list really quickly here. The list of medications should be one of the first things you see on the discharge paperwork. What are they going to be taking and picking up at the pharmacy? Next, make sure you ask if the doctor or nurse practitioner is not giving you handwritten prescriptions. Have these medications been sent to the pharmacy? I can't tell you how many times I have gotten calls when I worked in the clinic life over the doctor not sending over the medications. Make sure those medications are sent. As a former patient myself and a caregiver of a patient, nobody wants to wait at that long pharmacy line because your doctor or nurse practitioner couldn't send the medicines. You guys, make sure the medicines are sent to the pharmacy. Patients love you for that. Make sure on the, the list of medications, if you are not a medical person, that you have the nurse or someone jot out to the side what it's for. If it's amlodipine, make sure that they've got on there that it is for hypertension or high blood pressure. If it is a beta blocker, make sure something that ends in lol, make sure that they have 
if the person's blood pressure tends to be sometimes on the low side, when to hold this medication. Make sure that's listed on the discharge medication. I personally, any patient that I discharge, I list it and I make sure that pharmacy prints it on the bottle. Why? Everybody is not a medical person. But I stress that you should not take any medication, especially blood pressure, without checking your blood pressure. So make sure all of that is listed on your list of medications. Make sure it's listed what the medication is for. If they're discharging with an antibiotic, make sure they specifically tell you how long and how often it should be taken so you know when to stop taking it. If any of the medicines have side effects or things that you need to watch for, make sure that's listed out too. Also, as far as follow-up appointments, make sure it's a rule of thumb for mine as a nurse practitioner. Any patient that I discharge, I stress to them that you need to see your primary care provider within the first week to two weeks max after being discharged from the hospital or the nursing home or a higher level of care. Make sure that the person that is following you in that clinic has seen you, that you're still doing okay. Make sure that you're not running out of your medications. As a rule of thumb at the nursing home, I tend to call in a month's worth of medication. So I tell them, you need to be in that doctor's office within a week to two weeks. Because if you wait at the month mark, and you're out of medications, that provider's not going to call you in anything until they physically see you. Go ahead and explain when you get on the phone with the clinic person, I've been in the hospital. I've been to the ER. Nine times out of 10, they're going to offer you a sooner appointment as soon as you lead with that, as long as they have availabilities. Why? Because they know the time, the clock is ticking. If they don't get you in within a certain amount of time, most people say, well, I'm just going to go to the ER because they know, of course, you're going to get service there. They'll want to get you in sooner. So lead with that. Hey, my name is such and such. I was in the ER on this date. Can you get me an appointment for follow up? Hey, I was in the hospital on X amount of days. Can you get me a follow up appointment with it before the two week mark? Lead with that and lead with kindness. If you are nice to the clinic people, perhaps you might get your way. I'm telling you, kill them with kindness, y'all. DME, that is simply supplies when it comes to wheelchairs, walkers, hospital beds, Hoyer lifts. I'm just listing things just in general if your loved one is leaving rehab and they've been using a walker and they don't have a walker at home, make sure you have a prescription for that. Don't let them leave without that prescription. If they need a wheelchair and you know they don't have a wheelchair at home, make sure you get that prescription. Do not leave that building without it. Make sure your DME, if they have someone they want to use, make sure that provider or that nurse has already called and sent it over. And ask if you can have a copy of that. Because when you get to the DME to pick it up, they don't know you. They don't know you. I'm telling you, they don't know you. Have a copy of that so you can say, hey, it's right here. So then if they have questions, they can call that provider or whomever to see what's going on. But make sure you have your DME. DME is important. That is another key to your success with staying home because that also gives you another piece of 
adaptation to your new normal so that you can get around your house and have a decent quality of life without having to go back to the hospital or the ER for that. That's pretty much everything in a nutshell. Those are things you want to ask. Specialist, if they recommend somebody, can you make the appointment? Do you feel like they're ready to discharge? When do we need to go back to a higher level of care? Make sure you get a list of your medications, follow-up appointments, and DME or medical supplies to go home with. So I want to leave you with this. Become proactive so you don't have to be reactive. All of the things that I have mentioned today are ideas of becoming proactive. Because if you wait until you need a higher level of care, now you're being reactive. So please, I encourage you, become more proactive so you don't have to be reactive. This is Dr. H. Until next time. Take the first step towards a healthier and happier you by subscribing to my podcast on your favorite platform. Each episode is packed with an expert point of view, practical tips, and inspiring stories that will empower you to prioritize self-care and unlock your potential.